There are numerous things we know that are causing the climate crisis of today. Some of them include oil and gas, vehicular emissions, construction, and most recently, the fashion and the fast fashion industry. But there is one topic that gets left out of these conversations, and that one is animal agriculture. Have you ever thought about it? The kind of pressure that we're putting on our planet and resources just by raising over 80 billion land animals and more than 50 billion sea creatures each year just for slaughter? And speaking of food, in today's commercialization of food processes, do you know that we now find microplastics in something as basic as table salt? Do these topics interest you? Then stay tuned to the end of this very episode to have all your questions answered with the very eloquent Ritika Ramesh right here on the SGGS podcast starting right now. Hi everybody and welcome to another episode of Sephra's Green and Greener show where we try to decode simple steps to sustainable living. I'm Sephra Abraham, your host of this podcast and also founder of Green, the vegan store. Today I have with me the lovely Ritika Ramesh who is a vegan for almost 14 years, who is working on as the campaign manager of Generation Vegan and is a voice for all the beautiful animals that, that we have in our on our planet. So hi, Ritika, over to you. Hi. Hi, Sephra. Thank you for having me here. Great. Okay, let's get right into it. Um, of course, the first question being one of the, I would say, OGs in the vegan space. How did you turn vegan? What was the trigger? Tell us all about it. Surprisingly, this is the third time I'm telling this story today because I met two other people and they were like, oh, you're vegan. And I was like, yes, I'm vegan since 14 years. So for the third time, um, I learned about the cruelty in the dairy industry and I couldn't unsee it anymore. And by that point, I had already experimented with eating animals and given it up. Um, because I grew up around animals and I was like, why am I differentiating between a dog and a cat and I'm okay to eat a hen or a pig? So that made me give up eating animals, but I had no clue about the dairy industry. Uh, in 2009, I learned about it and that's when I decided I couldn't support it anymore. So I gave up dairy and was completely vegan in 2009. Wow. Wow. So what was it like? Was it, uh, you know, some people like myself, we saw like, you know, maybe one documentary or we met someone who was vegan. So any specific trigger like that? Yes. Yes. It was uh, actually a one day workshop organized by Dr. Nandita Shah. Oh, lovely. Uh, So back then she used to organize these workshops called Peas versus Pills. And the focus of the workshop was not so much to tell people about, look, this is happening in the dairy industry and you need to stop having dairy or meat, but it was more about how going vegan uh, is better for your own health and for the planet. And the last section in that workshop for the day was uh, she would show these videos of how the cows are treated in the dairy industry. And, uh, you know, up until that point, I was like, okay, this sounds interesting, you know, like, okay, I can try to be vegan. But the moment she showed those videos, that was it. And I know exactly what you mean. It, it's like a light bulb goes off. You're like, oh my God, have I really been contributing to this? Am I insane or like, what am I seeing? Uh, how did I not know about this before, right? So yeah, it is a light bulb moment. I, I love that. But 
really a big shout out to Dr. Nandita Shah. I think she has really been one of the pioneers, uh, you know, in India, and she's really helped so many people. It's it's amazing. So thank you. Um, you know, delving a little bit into what you've told me about, you know, so long, fourteen years is no joke. So have you really felt any impact health wise? Because a lot of the naysayers are always like, oh my god, you know, you can every everyone can be vegan for a year or two, but after that. You know, you start seeing these short-term, long-term, uh, you know, crazy, horrible impacts. So why don't we shed some light on that uh, with the true OG vegan here? So um, when I turned vegan, I didn't have any such health issues. One thing that was recurring for me was allergies. Uh, seasonal allergies, dust allergies. I mean, I, I attributed it to that. But the moment I gave up dairy, it's almost as if that went away, you know, like... Um, because dairy is mucus causing, there's not that much mucus that you're putting into your body like through dairy that the body needs to throw. So the allergies just disappeared. Of course, I lost some weight and I was able to keep that off. Uh, I've been vegan through both my pregnancies and uh, that was something that was very, very hard to do with the number of naysayers like you say, you know, like, oh my God, you need dairy, you need, dairy, you need to eat ghee. So many people came and told me, if you don't eat ghee, your baby will not slip out of you. Oh my God. I was like, okay, we'll see. We'll see when it comes, you know. Um, and then after that also, for the whole breastfeeding journey, people were like, you need dairy. But it's so strange if you think about it. Humans are the only animals that drink milk from another mammal. And then when I was breastfeeding, I was like, why do I need to drink milk from another mammal to make milk yeah. for my own child, you know? So uh, it just made more sense to me then like and it also the whole part about the cow being separated from her baby and all of that hits home even more once you have a child as a vegan. So yeah, it's it's been so, you know, like I was able to lose my pregnancy weight within a week. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. And that was uh, <laughs> that was something I didn't really work hard to do. But I now know that a lot of mothers are forced into eating like kilos of ghee after giving birth. And that's one of the reasons that they're finding it so hard to lose that weight. But yeah, it was, it's been a very healthy, uh, uneventful <laughs> health-wise journey for me so far. Uh, I hope everybody heard that, uneventful. That's what you want to hear, right? Because it's, okay, you change your diet and then... You live the same quality of life. That's awesome. Yeah. And I also have to say that a lot of people, when they go vegan, uh, they like to experiment and have the mock meats and the butters. If you see, even in the Indian uh, cuisine, there's so much fried food that's already vegan. So the point is that it's fine to eat that, but not to make your life depend on it. So a lot of people who face health issues are almost uh, often eating... Uh, you know, like junk food, vegan junk. Yeah. So it's okay to eat it once in a while. You know, I do indulge in the sausages. We're all human, yeah? <laughs> yeah, we're all human. So um, it's nice to have the option, but it's uh, also important to be eating healthy, eat more fruits and vegetables, and then you'll not see any issues. Yeah, I mean, a lot of these people who come on these podcasts and are like, you know, I turned vegan for a week. And what did they eat? I was surviving on Oreos and, you know, all of this processed stuff. And I ate uh, only this, you know, the vegan uh, sausage McMuffin at McDonald's. And we're like, 
man of course if you're going to eat just that you're not going to survive you're going to feel horrible inside so thank you thank you for bringing that to light um you know again going into your long journey of being a vegan and i'm sure you've done a lot of research whether it's audio video studies so any of your you know favorite studies scientific research papers that come to mind that you know we can really share with our audience that could help them it's not a research paper it's actually a book it's called the china study um and i feel like that book is very hard to read for somebody who's not from a science background because it's very very in depth uh, into the whole study but i feel like that book really uh, changed uh, the way i speak to people about uh, veganism you know the first year when i went vegan i was just calling literally anybody on my phone and i was like you know what you need to watch this video you need to go vegan you need to do this and everybody was like what is wrong with this person you know i i put off a lot of people uh but then i realized that everyone finds and has their own reason to go vegan you know it's not necessarily of course it's veganism is about the animals it's a social justice movement for the animals but the reasons that appeal to people are very different um and for some reason this book stuck to me um uh, you know because i was speaking to a lot of people in my family who were going through so many of the diseases mentioned in that book um any diseases that you can tell us about that they they were going through yeah there's i mean the the usual you know diabetes high blood pressure uh kidney disease all of that so it just gave me a dis- different way of uh, approaching the the whole idea of veganism because not everybody is going to care about the animals you know as much as we want them to so you have to just find different ways of bringing it up so i found that that book was quite nice and quite in depth and uh, you know the way they covered all the different diseases in each chapter uh, really helped yeah i mean it it is important you you know you brought up such an important topic that uh veganism or being plant based or flexitarian or whatever people are trying to be more sustainable comes from a different place like for example for you now learning on this podcast that uh, you know you grew up around animals so you had that animal connect for me for example growing up a hardcore non vegetarian three times a day meat you know what impacted me was the connection with the environment so and if you're telling me that a book like that can appeal to all you know different sorts of people with different uh, viewpoints i think that's really saying something so everybody the china study i think it's a big recommendation here but okay so um while issues like personal health animal welfare can be easily understood you know while talking about veganism um how significant is the impact of animal agriculture on the environment like in what i just brought up but from your perspective what do you think like how how big of a deal is it how seriously should we be taking this so the ipcc just came out with their report every year it's just very grave sounding ringing the alarm bells nobody takes it seriously enough but the report as usual says that we've run out of time yeah. we've run out of time we're sitting uh, like the bomb is about to burst forget ticking time bomb you know it's about to burst we are looking in india in bombay we are looking at a drought uh this year because there's no rain there's too much heat um and almost every one of these things can be tied back to animal agriculture right so there's so much research out there which people are just ignoring you know For, like forget the governments the governments are running on 
you know, money that we are paying them f- as taxes. And of course, they're going to be more money-minded than anything. But even at an individual level, if there are so many things that we can do um, to mitigate this crisis. I mean, I don't even know if we can mitigate it anymore. I think it's just like inevitable. Uh, and then I was reading things like uh, by 2040, we're going to run out of food. It, it's crazy, you know, like the amount of food that is being grown. I think more than 80%, if I'm not wrong, is being grown to feed the animals. That we then, in you know... Yeah, that we are then consuming. Imagine in if you say our world population is like, whatever, 8 billion, 9 billion. We are killing almost 80 billion animals in a year. So where is the food for these animals coming from? It's the same land that we are using to grow crops for ourselves. But now it's being diverted to grow crops for these animals. And then there's also the, um, you know, the whole aspect of the forest being cut down, the Amazon and all of that, because we're running out of space. And in India, very worryingly, I also read another thing, is that we are the largest exporters of shrimp. Whoa, okay, along with beef. Beef, we have the almost, I think we have the largest dairy herd also in the world. So, and we are way down in the hunger index as a country. So all of this food for these animals, we are still growing. Even if we are not growing it in India and importing it, it's still coming from land that can be used to feed people. So it's just like, it, it it blows my mind that more people are not able to do anything about it. Do anything about it or, I mean, even growing up, right, we were, we were not taught this in school. No one is speaking about animal agriculture as even a contributor to your greenhouse gases. So you're just reading, oh my God, industries, oh yeah, industries so bad. Oh yeah, vehicular pollution, are convert to EV or just stop using cars, you know, but no one is talking about the amount of resources being diverted to animal agriculture. It is really crazy. And I honestly, I'm going to, I'm not going to lie. I did not know about the shrimp, but uh, if I'm not wrong, it's not wild shrimp as they call it, right? It's all farmed shrimp. And uh, I know maybe we don't have enough time to delve into what is farmed shrimp and how it go how to go about it. I would really strongly suggest to all the listeners here, please just do a simple Google search and look at how the shrimp are raised and, you know, made into food because it's not a pretty process to look at. So, yeah. Um, okay, on a different note now, we will definitely come back to the the veganism and sustainability connection. But uh, a little bit more about you, Ritika. Um, We've done some research here, my team and myself, and we know that you worked on a few films, including Beja Fry. So do you want to tell us a little bit about that? So I actually started off uh, my career in the film industry I wanted to be a cinematographer. Wow. But uh, I joined uh, this film, Beja Fry, as the last assistant to join the film, like literally two days before the shoot, because up until then I had to finish my uh, course at Xavier's College. Yeah, wait, sorry, what did you study? I studied uh, at XIC. Oh, nice. Xavier's Institute of Communication. Yeah. <laughs> nice, yeah, please go ahead. Yeah, so I... Since I wanted to be a cinematographer, the director said, fine, I'll give you a camera, you shoot the making of the film. So throughout the 20 days of shoot, I had a camera with myself and I was shooting all of it, whatever was happening behind the scenes. And, uh, you know, then eventually I was asked to join the post-production part of the film and I ended up working up until the release of the film. So that was a great uh, learning for me, you know, to work. I mean, I didn't get to do the pre-production bit, but I did most of the other stuff. 
and uh, from there on i started i just kind of you know like once you once you're in that circle you just start getting films um so i ended up working on three or four more films one was a documentary on the stray dogs of bombay wow what is that called it was uh, i forget what it's called but it was made for doordarshan uh they used to um, uh, they used to produce many documentaries back then so uh it was a uh, it was very interesting because we followed uh uh you know the ngos that help treat the stray dogs then we met uh, people who train therapy dogs also so it was just a general documentary on the dogs in the city yeah and yeah and then a couple of more films later and then i took a break okay and uh, this is around the time that i turned vegan okay yeah and so wait you shot the documentary about stray dogs before turning vegan yeah oh wow so did did that have any sort of an impact into you turning vegan it did uh, because at that point i was eating meat okay. animal flesh okay. and um, after that i kind of you know it kind of struck me that what am i doing why am i eating this yeah. and it was around that time that i went for a 10 day vipassana course oh heavy heavy yeah very heavy and when i came out of it i was like i can't do it anymore i can't eat uh, animals anymore so yeah that was when i stopped that was in 2008 i stopped so that, that it's really interesting right like you know you you get to do so many different things in your life not knowing that that's going to be the trigger that makes you change one of the biggest aspects of your life which was eating meat at the time yeah i, I totally i relate with you i know i know what that feels like yeah so now segueing back into you your generation vegan which i think is pretty pretty recent very recent right. yeah so how did you get to be a part of generation vegan tell us more about it i'm super excited to know yeah so uh this i just uh, you know like in 2020 i started uh, working with different organizations and i decided that uh, i would only work for organizations that were promoting veganism in some way or the other um so i did a few stints with some vegan magazines in india and uh, then i i was just looking for some more something more you know and uh, this opportunity came up and i applied for it so this was in october of 2022 when i joined uh, generation vegan um they were earlier known as million dollar vegan yeah they they're pretty big i mean like even their social media following is pretty huge so they uh i'll just plainly a vegan advocacy organization and uh, you know like we were speaking about earlier people have different reasons that attracts them towards veganism so the whole idea there for them on their website and through their social media is to appeal to people through these different ways and they have 7 day and 30 day vegan challenges that you can sign up for yeah so anybody can go on their website and sign up for a challenge and you'll get these in-depth emails that are really amazing information about whatever cause you choose whether it's for the planet whether it's for the animals or for humanity or for your own health um and then of course it's available in multiple languages including hindi uh so the idea is just to appeal to a just a mass larger audience and not only have information in english and uh, yeah most recently they challenged rishi sunak to go vegan oh my god how did that go it went up really well actually of course he didn't take it up because his whole his whole the whole point of him like when he was being uh, you know when he was running the race uh, he was always and for the farmers you know farmers of britain whatever so 
he did not take it up. They sent a very blah, blah, blah letter back saying he cannot do it or whatever. But uh, they, what was really amazing to see is that they took over advertising space in London, uh, like a whole underground station. Imagine you just take the escalator down into the station and all you see is these, you know, this, these, the Generation Vegan colors, just black and a bright uh, fluorescent green. Um, imploring people to think about going vegan and not very direct but just like things like what we were talking about you know animal agriculture does this and uh, this is the footprint of what of uh, milk and cow's milk and oat milk and soy milk so things like that uh, you know they did that's awesome it was really nice uh, to see it unfolding uh, over there and uh, yeah then we have now in India, we we have the Hindi website. Uh, we have a few films in the pipeline. One film we just released last week. It went viral all over the world. Wow, what's the name of this film? It's a short film on their YouTube channel right now. But the teaser on Instagram got more than uh, half a million views. Wow, and I'm sure you had a role to play in that. So Yeah, so I, <laughs> I made the film. <laughs> of course, we have. I can't take credit for it because it was a film about Dr. Nandita's father, okay. who is 88 years old, yeah. and he has been vegan for 36 years. And last week, actually, it was his birthday and I didn't know. And the film released on his 89th birthday. So he's 89 now. Okay. And uh, he's, the I mean, he's really cute. Okay. he's Imagine this old man, like, walking on Marine Drive. You know, we've shown him walking and stuff. Uh, because he wakes up at 4.30, he goes for a walk early in the morning and all of that. So... Yeah, that, that was a really nice. A lot of people got inspired by that film. So it was nice. It was fun to see the reaction. That's so sweet. Yeah, we really need to watch this, uh, you know, video that you that you made. Going into something that you mentioned about, uh, you know, the advertising. And it, you said something that it was not in your face or direct, but more like making people think. And I think that really stood out to me because very similar, you know, journey and it, it's very difficult to reach out to people, you know, saying that you are a killer, you are a murderer, you are doing this. Because, yes, and I do understand that that is one aspect of activism, which is, I mean, a lot of people do follow it. But I personally believe that that also sometimes can give a movement, any movement, um, you know, like a bad rep. So what is your take on that? And what is your take on, you know, advocacy in 2023? So I'll rewind back to 2009 when I turned vegan yes. and I told you I was this crazy person calling everybody saying, you know what, watch this video, watch this film, read this book. It didn't work. From my personal experience, it didn't work. People know, okay, people know what happens. People know we are taking milk from a cow, that the cow is not giving us milk. Yeah. You know, people know that animals are being killed to be put on their plates. They've pushed it to the back of their minds, okay, so... When I try to highlight this again, nobody wants to feel guilty, you know, like especially about these gory details. And uh, I have found that in so many years, just by being, like people are just inspired to do something. Even if it is quitting dairy for a week, they will try it. Uh, the first year I was very unsuccessful at convincing anybody about anything. But eventually, like when people saw that, okay, you know, like she's still alive. She's not dying from protein or calcium deficiencies. Um, then people said, okay, you know, we can give this a try. So in my 
again in my personal opinion it has only worked for me that way um there are i'm sure people who are uh, you know like in, impacted enough to take a step towards veganism by watching these videos or by seeing what goes on in slaughter houses but i feel like like you said for uh, in 2023 i think it has to come from a more uh backdoor kind of perspective you know like you just say like you know what happens in the environment you know where how much food of our food is going to be fed to the animals and i found that a lot more people are concerned about their environmental impact uh, about not only about the food that they're choosing but about everything that they're doing yeah about their lifestyle and that's pushing them to make a change exactly so yeah i completely resonate with you which is why you know it was a question that i wanted to talk to you especially about having been you know 14 years is is a long time going back to me when i was in school i was known as the in sort of a sense you know that one girl who tried to make people not litter okay so i started my i was so into you know trying to save the planet at being young and um it was my first one of my first trips to to the us with my family where i you know made the connect with okay you know dairy farms this it, it was a it was an installation at one at an aquarium uh, and they you know showed this life size image of a cow and how um the the emissions from the cow you know are methane and it's causing in my you know like greenhouse gas emissions so i was like oh my god i have to stop eating beef you know that at at 15 that was the connect i made i did not think about dairy so you know in your small way you're trying to do so much but it was not someone coming and telling me if you don't turn vegan you know you're 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 a murderer you're this it was just information displayed in a very nice manner to attract even children as such as me and my brother who stood there assimilated the information and then made we made random choices but we it made us make an impact so from then which was 2009 2010 to today i really stand by you know advocacy has to be given in a very understanding and as you said back door manner keep the information out there of course maybe nudge people slightly to sort of consume it but that may not always be the best option so yeah but thank you so much for uh, you know making it easy to understand um so coming back to you know a broader ambit of sustainability uh, you know of course veganism is a big part which we've already discussed what are some of the other things that you know you consciously or subconsciously now have imparted into your life and your kids life uh, to be more sustainable so the biggest thing is of course veganism yeah. uh so much so that my son in his school uh will go and tell his teachers um you know you should not drink milk from an animal <laughs> they'll be like how does he know all these things and then they were learning about the alphabet v yeah. and he was like v for vegan <laughs> my god i think i your children are going to be like top of their class or bottom i don't know but i i love the fact that he is so vocal about v for vegan um uh, you know of course both of them are very aware i've got these books age appropriate books for them that talk about there are some kids books about veganism right uh so it talks about what happens to the animals and all of that um but yeah sustainability wise um one thing that i do very consciously is try to ensure that whatever plastic comes into the home is being recycled uh there are organizations that will come and pick it up for you 
uh, I think it's a huge problem. I'm finding plastic in salt these days. And none of us are even looking for it. But it's there in salt. Whether we know it or not, there are microplastics in salt. And uh, I feel like, you know, we need to really... It's unavoidable. I mean, there are ways to avoid it. I'll have... I can take big, big boxes and go to a grocery store that'll pack the uh, groceries for me. But uh, it's just impossible for me to avoid getting some amount of plastic into the house. Um, so that's one thing that I do consciously. Ensure that the plastic is being recycled. Uh, ensure that I dispose of electronics, batteries, all of that very responsibly. Uh, and I also like to compost. Lovely. So going back to your first two points uh, about e-waste and plastic, can you give us like, you know, one, two names of organizations that that you consciously either pick up the phone and you're like, hey, okay, I have this much plastic, come collect it. Or I have this much e-waste, can you come collect it? So there is an organization called Five Recycle. Okay. Uh, they go to, they have uh, different days allocated for different areas in the city. Yeah. And uh, if you message them and tell them, I have collected some stuff, they'll come to your building and collect it for you on the designated day for your area. Okay. So um, then what I end up doing is I put it on like the building group and then everybody will come and drop off the plastic in my house. Yeah. And then on Saturdays, we used to just like pass it off. But also as a building, um, now what has started happening is the BMC is sending people to collect plastic, um, which is then going to be recycled. So that is also happening. Um, but I, I'm always unsure about what or where that kind of plastic is going. Um, yeah, but Five Recycle is one organization that, uh, you know, anybody in Mumbai can contact and have them come and pick up they take e-waste they take plastic um do they also take like glass metal i have a feeling metal they do yeah. i have a feeling they take glass also okay. yeah wood is something that's really difficult to uh, wood ceramic oh my god ceramic i think people have the biggest problem uh with even getting you know disposing and having the municipality sort of collected because it just lies there and even the municipality doesn't want to take responsibility so it just ends up you know and I, I don't even think it reaches the landfill it's that bad it just lies on roads so I really feel like something needs to be done about that so I don't have the solution yet but uh, so earth sorry you, it's five recycle five recycle awesome so do they have like a, a weight limit like you know we need five kg ten kg or you know is there something like quantifiable I, ideally the more the better but uh, they have even come for a few bags of plastic. Okay. So anything is fine. But it's it's always good to have that at least one or two houses that take that, uh, you know, initiative to get people to at least do drop it off at their place. I think that is the bare minimum that, you know, even busy households can sort of segregate and keep aside and do. So, yeah, we do need more people like, uh, like Ritika Ramesh advocating for collection of, of waste. You know, you spoke about your children having age-appropriate books that teach them about veganism, sustainability, and so on. Can you give us some examples? Who are the authors of these books and where can we find them? Amazon has a few books, uh, especially by this author called Ruby Roth. Uh, she writes children's books around veganism. Um, she's got three or four books, I think, maybe even more. But uh, like one of her books is like the A to Z of veganism. So she takes every alphabet yeah. and she's found a way to connect the alphabet to 
being kinder to animals. So B is for bees. We take their honey. You know, something like that. So um, she's, I, I really like her books because she puts it very simply and the kids are able to understand and not really feel any guilt about it. But, uh, I mean, in this, uh, you know, research path of yours with children's books, have you come across any Indian authors? I think there are a couple, but I've not bought them. Uh, there are a few books that talk about being kind to animals. Um, and then they end with a message of saying, like, you know, you should be vegan. Just recently, I came across a book um, that's been written about a person, uh, like a kid, I think, and his dog. Mm-hmm. And in the book, he makes a connection to, if I like dogs, why don't I like cows or why don't I like pigs? So I came across the book. I've not bought it. It's relatively new. But uh, I can send you a link and you can add it. Definitely. We would love to do that. You know, any any small step that can help, especially pass on to the message to like a young group and a very impressionable group of like of our country, I would say children. So, yeah, that's that's very interesting. Your children, yeah, you know, how you've sort of tried to embody sustainability and veganism and the way that they're taking it to their school. Which school do they go to? They're in Oberoi. Obroy, okay. And is the atmosphere there for them more welcoming? Like, you know, in terms of a lot of these school events are very focused around food. Like, you know, oh, all the kids bring food, uh, you know, celebrate this, celebrate that. So the fact that your kids are vegan, how do they? They are not vegan. Oh, they are not vegan. Okay. Um, I raised them vegan until they were two. And then I left it up to them. So they still have all the information about veganism. But uh, it is hard when they go to birthday parties yeah. because they see cake there. It's almost always vegetarian, so it won't have eggs in it. But for people also to find vegan cakes, it's very difficult. Um, and they have this one mind block that, oh my God, you know, if we order a vegan cake, it's going to be different. So a lot of parents now, of course, they will order vegan cake because there are so many kids with allergies. But uh, because they know that I'm vegan and I'm trying to raise them vegan, uh, they will go out of their way to order a vegan cake for them. So it it happens sometimes, not always. Um, but uh, with them, my decision has been that I give them all the choices. I give them all the options. I give them all the information, most importantly. So if you quiz them, you can do a podcast with them. That would be that would be awesome. That's a that's a new demographic we haven't thought about. I love that. Uh, so you can you can totally ask them anything about veganism. They'll know everything. Mm-hmm. More often than not, they'll choose to eat what's vegan. But there are instances where for them, like they're too tempted to eat the cake, you know. So they might just eat the cake at a birthday party. But they surprise me sometimes, you know. They'll go and they say, "But I told them I wanted without cheese." You know, I told them I didn't want butter. Um, in their school, they're surrounded by people who eat meat. I don't think that there's a single vegetarian also in my daughter's class. Yeah, so, but sometimes she'll come back with stories about, you know, Mama, this person in their home, they tried the Blue Tribe sausages. How sweet. Shout out to, shout out to Blue Tribe. <laughs> so, there, there is some sort of experimentation happening even amongst people who are not necessarily vegan. Um, so, because I'm sure that most of the products 
that are being made are not made for vegans. We are very small in number, you know. So more often than not, they will choose some to eat something vegan. They'll go for the vegan option. Uh, even in school, the the lunch that they are served there is a vegetarian lunch. Um, so, for example, if there's paneer someday in school, my daughter will not eat the paneer. She'll just eat dal rice and come. Um, so yeah, they they choose to eat what they they eat. They don't eat uh, animal flesh because they both have a really strong connection with animals. We have a dog at home, uh, and you know they're constantly seeing me. I love talking to animals, so they're constantly seeing me talking more to animals than humans. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Uh, and it struck me only like uh, you know recently that if there's somebody walking their dog, I will look at the dog and I'll talk to the dog and I'll just completely be oblivious that there's a human with the dog, you know. And then when they leave, they'll say bye, and I'll be like, oh yeah, right, sorry, bye. <laughs> yeah, and I think children love to emulate what they see, especially what they see their parents and uh, you know other figures around them do. So that's that's so nice. Can you tell us again what are the ages of your kids? Because they seem wise beyond their years. You know, how old are they? Uh, seven and five. Oh my god! I wish I was this like even half as you know cool as they were at five and seven. I don't know what I was doing, man. Crazy. But uh, I, I I think I'm definitely going to get your kids on this podcast. I think people need to hear you know more of if they can do it. What's stopping you know people who are double, triple, quadruple their age, right? So I actually have another question that just came to my mind. So I'm just going to ask. Um, there's been a huge wave of, uh, you know, especially mock meats in the, I would say, high ticket, uh, you know, in, in the terms of like most of the funding has gone towards alt protein, let's say. And a lot of different celebrities have, you know, they may or may not choose to be plant-based. That's entirely another conversation altogether. But do you think that has impacted the the market or the industry and has maybe even given people that first mover thing like okay let me at least try if oh, Virat Kohli is talking about it hmm should I even look at that product which I would never have looked at five years ago so do you think that's had an impact? Yeah, definitely um, and this has worked both ways because of course the celebrities have had access to information that tells them that being plant-based is good for them whether they're actors or sports people whatever it is but also from the point of view of brands, like in India, if a celebrity sponsors anything, it sells, right? So for them, it's been a very smart move to not only onboard them as investors, but also put them up in the front as, uh, you know, like spokespersons for the brand. Um, it definitely helps give a great push. I mean, I really wish that more of them would come out and say, yes, we are vegan. Yeah. Yes, we eat plant-based. Uh, they have their own reasons to not do those things. Maybe they aren't fully vegan or plant-based or whatever it is. But uh, it, it, it has helped, uh, you know, like make that connect with people like, oh, you know, Virat's a sports player. He plays cricket and he doesn't look like he's, you know, deficient in protein. So, um, you know, so then, yeah, it, it helps the movement. Anything to help the movement, right? <laughs> I, I totally agree. I mean, for the longest time, you know, I, I, at least I'm talking about my, you know, my childhood to now, uh, people were even finding it difficult to grasp the fact that a John Abraham or a Shahid Kapoor are completely vegetarian. They were like, no, we think they are lying, you know, they're saying something, but Pete Peche, they might be actually eating anda or this, or, or maybe they eat eggs, I don't know, actually. 
uh, because a lot of people consider eggs also vegetarian. So let me not be wrong on this podcast. But uh, a lot of people had problem grasping that. So veganism is like a whole new like shock, you know, to a lot of people. So hopefully that trend changes and, you know, we get to witness it in uh, in our time that is today. Yeah, and the, I think that the brands are being very careful by not using veganism uh, as a word on any of their branding. They call it plant-based. That's smart. I I mean, I, I get why they're doing that. Um, because sometimes veganism as a word, as a term might be off-putting to some people so they're just playing it cautious yeah but uh, yeah it, it's it's nice to see like you know now you can walk into any supermarket in Bombay in the frozen section there will be some mock meat from some brand or the other you know and if I'm not wrong I think McCain um, has those veggie patties also I mean this is I'm talking about back in the day without the smart you know, I mean, all protein even existing as a segment, they were like, Are, you know, why should vegetarians be like, not have any option? So they kept one option for, for plant-based folk without cheese. You know, otherwise it's like the frozen section is cheese corn ball, cheese pakoda, cheese fries. And I'm like, man, like this is sad. But then they do have, they did have a veggie patty. So yeah, thank you. Thank you for McCain for, for doing that for us. But yeah, you're absolutely right. Walking into... Uh, a, a conventional supermarket is way easier now for uh, for even even Dmart uh, keeps a couple of options. They also keep chetrans, yeah. so that's that's a that's a that's very accessible in terms of costing also and accessibility. You know, so I love that. But very interesting that you mentioned that uh, brands are choosing to be plant based and not vegan. What are your personal thoughts on that? Um, as a vegan, yeah. I would be like. Why can't you just write vegan on it so it's easier for vegans to pick it, you know? But uh, as if I had to think from their perspective as a, you know, like as somebody who's an entrepreneur, um, I like that they're using plant-based. I like that they're trying to appeal to more people. And uh, it's working, you know, the more number of people who try it, even if they eat animals. If they try it and feel like, okay, this is something that we can do once a week, twice a week, and eventually give up eating animals completely, then why not, you know, um, anything for the movement. <laughs> I love that. Uh, so now we're going to enter the rapid fire with Ritika Ramesh. Uh, it's a vegan slash sustainable rapid fire. So don't, don't, don't worry. It should be relatively easy. Uh, okay. So cue the tense music that will play in the background. So first question, what's your favorite vegan food? Oh, so hard. Pani puri. Okay, lovely. Uh, one zero waste thing that you always carry with yourself? A water bottle. Nice. Okay, one fruit you can eat for your whole, like the rest of your life? Any berry. Berry, love that. Okay, your favorite sustainability hack? I would have to say it's the water bottle and also um, carrying a cutlery. Any steel straws, steel, stick to st- steel, stick to steel. That's the, I like that. That message was simple. This is important. Okay. One thing you love about being vegan. That you can be kind in all your choices. Okay. And one thing you're sick of hearing as a 14 year old vegan. Makes me sound like I'm 14. I'm not. <laughs> But one thing you one thing you're tired of hearing as a veteran vegan. <laughs> Thank you. Um, 
यार I've heard, I've heard so many things. I don't know. Like, take the take the most bizarre one that you heard. Well, I think the most bizarre one for 2023 is it's so difficult. Fair. Please, you can give a shout out to Green here. That's helping. Yeah, Green, Green. Of course, Green. I to live in. I should just buy a house or stay near Green only half the time. I'm just like, can you send this? Can you send that? <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. So now we have a another fun segment that is. Give me the first word that comes to your mind when I say the following. Okay, so again, no context. The very random words all over the place. Just want to hear your opinion. And the first word, okay, it's just one word, right? First word, ethics. Social justice. Two words, but I'll take it. Sustainability. This in my mind only things vegan, vegan. The every everything you say, I my answer will be vegan, veganism. And that's fine. That it's your one word, so you can take any word. It's fine. Sustainability. Veganism. Okay. Justice. Oh my God, veganism. <laughs> Beef. Cow. Okay. Travel. Light. Okay. Green. Greened. Love that. Uh, tofu. Tofu. Air fryer. Okay, interesting. I like that. Last one, the toughest one. Pavai. Greened. That was not tough. That was easy. I really, I just, I think I love that. But yeah, I think we're. You just, you're setting everybody up for this. Hey, I asked the same questions to Pavani. She didn't say green. What did she say? For Pavai, what did she say? Home. What? She lives in Pawai, so sitting inside green. Yeah, but everyone's mind works differently. That's the beauty. <laughs> uh, is there anything that you know you want to speak about um, that that we might have missed in this podcast? Nothing really. I just will end with some parting words for uh, the people watching. <laughs> um, I just wanted to say that uh, you know, even if you think that you can't be a hundred percent vegan. whatever small steps you can take towards the end goal of being vegan it helps the animals it helps even if for one day you give up eating your regular uh, you know chicken burger and choose a vegan burger um it has helped those many chickens who who you know whose flesh has gone into that burger so small steps baby steps it is and uh Thank you so much for coming here today and you know you've really given us a lot to think about and a lot of wisdom especially with your little ones so thanks again for that and uh, hope to see your little ones next time anytime thank you so much for having me uh, thank you for being here